Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 13th of April 2021. This is episode 772 of the Real Deal Podcast with Cyril Gerald Quinn. Um, hope everybody out there has had, had a great day. I am joined by a special, very, very special guest. You've seen her before uh, a couple of other times on the podcast. I think this is like the fourth one we've done, third or fourth. I want to say fourth. There's, we, got, we have a lost episode that maybe you even you guys will see one day. I've been put out. I'm going to tease it. Right. But, uh, Monique Malbet joins the program, of course, of Young Black and I Invest. And you see she has the new pickup, sold a house, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> That is a smile of someone who just sold who just sold something. I don't care if it's a house, condo, whatever. <laughs> something with some something was sold. Yeah. <laughs> Always something being sold, okay? <laughs> I imagine that is a great feeling. So she's here to join uh, join us. Um, before we get into the podcast, um, uh, how was your weekend? Oh, it was actually pretty good. So yes, you know, still selling stuff, getting homes under contract. It's the market is extremely busy uh, nationwide because I was talking to people everywhere and they're experiencing difficulties with securing homes because inventory is very, very low. Um, outside of that, I have a, another vacation coming up. So I'm looking forward to relaxing uh, because I am, I think I told you guys last time, well, well, thank you Cyril, for a, for let, allowing me to come back again. So this is exciting. And yes, we are missing an episode due to my laptop, but it will be found because I had my old laptop broke. Okay. And I have some stuff kind of backed and saved, but I don't know if our episode is saved. So that's the only reason why, but I have a new laptop, a new MacBook, So we don't have those issues moving forward. Thank you. Because <laughs> You guys don't know he's being he was that was shade towards me. <laughs> that actually was not shade. It wasn't shade. I don't see. I don't throw subliminal shade. Like you know, okay. I'm throwing shade. It's no. It's not ambiguous at all. Right. It's fine. It's funny. People that know me will tell you that. <laughs> it's really, fun. really know me. It's fun though. It's it's always fun. But yeah, so no, uh, no, things are great though. So no, thanks for having me back. And um, I'm excited about the topics and everything that we're gonna be talking about. Yeah, a couple of things before we get into uh get into the podcast here. Uh I'm telling you right now, it was very, very hard pressed to find anything that is positive to talk about. Mm. I mean, it is it is the world right now is just you know, the world has, has you know lost its mind, so to speak. The world is we, we are all over the place as a society. Uh I, you know, probably could have said this for the end of the podcast, but I'll say this right now. Please take care of your mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as a as a as black men and women, you know, in particular. Uh, but please take care of your mental health because it is again, there's a lot going on. Um Couple of things I want to get off, uh, get out the way, kind of get out the way. Um, you heard about the uh, Johnson and Johnson uh, being mm-hmm. recalled, as far as uh, not, it's, it's been recalled for temporarily because of uh, there are some blood clots 
in some uh, patients that, that, that took the Johnson Johnson uh, vaccine shot, had some blood clots. It, it was had some uh, for some blood clots, but it's not been widespread. They're, they're, of course, they're downplaying it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I sent a text to a couple of people that I really care about, saying that I know you're getting. I I couldn't talk you out of getting the vaccine. So, but it, don't don't mess with that Johnson Johnson. I, you know, I don't. Yes, and actually, I'm happy you mentioned that because my my coach actually got just got his, and I had to I text him first thing this morning, like, hey, not sure if you saw this article, so I sent him the article. So yes, just definitely be careful, not against the vaccine, but just be careful, you know. Right. And everybody, everybody knows who's listening to my podcast and listen to me over right. the last year or so. Well, not maybe not even last year. I'm maybe the last six months when I really started going in about the vaccine or when I mentioned it, listen, I, me personally, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> I'm just, if I do oh, take I it all, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to wait because I, I you, I, you know, it's, it's like a cell phone when it first comes out, you know, it, you're going to have, when the iPhone first came out, there were, you know, there were a lot of kinks and then right. according to the iPhone users and, and, and people who purchased one, there's still some kinks. And they mm-hmm. worked, they worked uh, many of them out, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I, I don't think that um, uh, to me I, again I've, I've done research I've talked spoken to some doctors you know and you know they, they I've you know heard I've heard both sides of the aisle I've heard doctors say hey you know it's cool take you can take it you'll be fine and I also heard some doctors say you know what one well, you you can actually wait a few months if not until maybe even 2023. Yeah. In bad shape. And I agree with you um, because there has been another incident that happened where um, um, my best friend, her her dad took the vaccine and he had a a bit of a reaction and ended up in the hospital. And this is very recent. It just happened. He just got out actually today. He was there for, I think, for like a week, week and a half. So you definitely have to be careful. As of right now, I do feel like it's a bit of a science experiment on, on us citizens, unfortunately, but I do have family. My mom has gotten a vaccine. My sister got the vaccine. They're all okay. But I, I've been telling everybody, you know, just still be careful. And, and I, I agree with you, waiting. I know their conditions are a little bit different, so that's why they didn't. Um, but I, and my mom and even my sister, we, they even laugh and say, you know, we're a science experiment right now, Monique. You know, I, they just felt like they needed to get it. They did what was best for them. But I, I'm in agreement with you on waiting, if if, if possible. Yeah, and, and listen, I I totally get why some people take it. There are people with underlying conditions um, who can't couldn't wait to take it. Uh, they would have been first in line, right? If you if you are an advanced age per se, you know, you're in your 60s, 70s, and what have you. Of course, you're going to be I mean, you're going to be more likely to uh, take it. And also, and I mentioned this earlier, the mental health aspect of of it. Uh, People feel like they, you know, been inside for a year been you know, quarantined somewhat for a year, maybe with exceptions of Florida and Texas, who who is eluded, um, and Arizona. But I think people are, you know, mentally done as far as this pandemic and saying, look, I, I want to get out. I want to live my life back to where it was. So this is, this is, this is, this vaccine is a means to 
get me back in that direction. And from from a mental standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, I, I can I, I can understand it. I've been virtual for a year as well in my particular job. So, you know, just just do yourself a favor and make sure you just protect yourself. Uh, just acquire as much information as possible and make the best possible decision. And um, I, I just don't I, I just don't like it when you know you 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 know you just told me about that uh, that reaction mm-hmm. you had. Those stories are not being reported. Uh, those stories are not really being reported of those type of reactions. This is a story, Johnson and Johnson, they had to report this because it was just too big. Like, right. they could, this could not be hid. They could not hide this, no. Yeah. And I, I, I've heard individual, I've heard some stories right. about, uh, about some, you know, some vicious side effects. And I'm not just talking about sore arm or fatigue, okay? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that the thing is, is that what somebody else was some, I think someone posted it or they were talking to me about this. They was like, you know, are they forcing people as soon as they get the vaccine to take a picture of them getting it and being, you know, being excited? I don't know if that was like a meme or something or somebody was talking about it because I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird that they're they're, you know, pushing it like that. Like, hey, you know, as soon as you get the vaccine, post it on Instagram and tell everybody to get it, you know, or Facebook. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if that's like, I don't know what that is, but it, it's a little weird and strange. I feel like, you know, you know, it's kind of adding additional pressures that don't need to be there. Um, I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, people need to do their research. And if you feel comfortable, go and get it. Or if you have, like you said, underlying conditions, but also know that there are risks and it should be reported the same way they're reporting. Hey, I got the shot or I feel amazing. It should also, you know, the other side has to re-report it. And not just when it's a big deal like Johnson and Johnson, like it should be reported, you know, either way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I want to hear everything. I want to hear any reaction that you had. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear about it. It's just more, you know, it's more information for me to uh, to uh, take into take into account. Um, the second thing I want to touch on quickly. Uh, this marks this is the fifth year anniversary, uh, fifth anniversary of Kobe Bryant's last uh game uh as a last last nba game of course april 13 2016 he played a home game at staples score and he of course ended it with a bang uh scored 60 points in that game which is the most that any nba player has ever scored in their final game by i'm sure by far um just a wild game uh he took like 50 shots they won the game uh, in his very last game of his career, and you know, which takes on added meaning considering what transpired uh, with the helicopter crash last January. So, again, something that you know, I, I you know, this was brought up. I saw it earlier. I, I knew it was sometime in April around this time. I didn't know. I forgot the specific date, but um, so just want to bring that uh, bring that up. Amazingly, it's been five years since Kobe Bryant has been, you know, uh, the late Kobe Bryant has been retired uh, from the uh, NBA. Of course, he retired in 2016. And of course, successfully transitioned into screenwriting, won, a, won, an Academy Award, won an Academy Award and was well on his way to becoming a billionaire as far as what he was going to do in the movie industry and, and, and what have you with his production company and things of that nature. So. Just wanted to touch on that, um, those two things off the top. Um, 
now, of course, we get into the uh, heart of the matter. Um, you've had two situations involving police. Uh, one that, of course, was recent that just took place, and one, of course, that took place last December. Uh, first, first and foremost, um, the loss of life. You have a Dante Wright shooting. Durante, Dante uh, Dante Wright was uh, 20 years old. Um, he was shot and killed by police officer, well, former police officer now, as she's, she has resigned, uh, Kim Potter. Kim Potter was a at a traffic stop, at a stop, a traffic stop, at a, at a stop where he was pulled, he, he was pulled over by uh, two other cops. There were three cops there total. Um, he allegedly, he had a, um, they allegedly pulled him over. They pulled, when they pulled him over, they noticed air fresheners hanging in his back mirror, which is, uh, you know, whoever he is, is against the law. He also had a outstanding misdemeanor warrant. Um, minor stuff like, you know, nothing, nothing major whatsoever. Um, so he's getting arrested. We've seen, you've seen the video. I've seen the video. You know, he's getting arrested. They're putting the cuffs on and um, he breaks away. Now, there are two two male officers, one, and of course, Kim Potter. Potter was there as a training officer. She was training a, a younger officer. Um, and they were putting the cuffs on him and he, he resisted, he breaks away. She says, she comes out of nowhere, says taser, taser, taser. So she says taser three times. And then she says it again as she, shoots inside his vehicle uh and fatally wounds him with a chest in the chest and when she shot she immediately said after she shot she said of course if you've seen the video she said, you know oh shit i shot him and of course dante Wright uh died soon after that uh passed away soon after that so to give you an update on what has transpired um Tim Potter and Police Chief Tim Gannon have both resigned. That happened today. There are reports that she could be charged as early as tomorrow. We'll see. I mean, I, you know, probably we'll see if that if that happens. Um, if you wonder who Tim Tim Gannon is, Tim Gannon was a police chief that came out and spoke immediately and basically said that he believed that it was an accident. So that was who who he was. Uh, he's been in. He's he has 19 years uh, with that particular precinct. She is a 26 year veteran officer who started at a very young age. She started, I think, she was 22 back in 1990, uh, 1995. So she's 48 years old. She's very young. Was very young when she became a police officer. Um, this, you know, since 2001, there have only been 16 incidents of this liking in the country not not so much in not just in milwaukee not just in wisconsin uh not uh not in wisconsin but just in the united states there only been 16 incidents like this and of course this is had this happened 10 miles away from where george floyd's uh excuse me the derek chauvin trial is taking place not the george floyd trials derek chauvin trial that is taking place so the city is you know Milwaukee and that surrounding area is, as you might expect it, is just completely in an uproar. Um, this took place in Brooklyn City, Brooklyn Center, excuse me, Brooklyn Center. Um, 
in, in uh, Brooklyn Center. And I, I shouldn't say, it wasn't in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I'm saying Milwaukee, this is in Minnesota, excuse me, Minnesota. This is, took place in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, I, you look at it, you look at um, how this, what, how scary this is for Black, for African-Americans, for Black Americans, to say the least. There, um, first of all, no one in their right mind could ever could believe that she doesn't know. A veteran police officer of 26 years doesn't know the difference between a gun and a taser. And if you don't know the difference between a gun and a taser, you don't need to be on the police force, period. Right. That, that just goes without saying. The scary part, and obviously this is, and I've heard, you know, we bring the race factor into into the into the picture, and it, it has to be brought into the picture. This is continuously happening to happening to black men and black women. Uh, let me not leave out um, Ken Brianna Taylor. Uh, there was a young lady. There was a lady, and this this story I just ran upon this story a couple of days ago last week. Do uh, we believe this happened in Texas like two years ago? And it just came out where a pregnant woman was shot and killed by a police officer hmm. when she was uh, she was in distress. She was he came up to her. She gets nervous, like what? Like why are you approaching me? Uh, clearly, it was a case of she, he mistaked her for somebody, mistaken her for somebody else, and she, you know, was was very nervous and, and just saying, "I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant." and and he, you know, just he shot her. He, he tried to he resisted. She, he, cl- he claims that she resisted. I saw it, it was it was on tape. He claims in his defense that she, it was she resisted his arrest from him, and she he tosses her down and shoots her in cold blood. But that you know, so I can't definitely not leave out women who are being just as oppressed in terms of these policemen uh, against police officers as as the black men are. So I, I don't want to. Uh, don't want to leave. Definitely leave uh, black black women out of this equation because they they're taking the heat from uh, police officers as well. I think the scary part is it's a combination to me of not only just racism, which is at the heart of the matter, but sheer just is fear. Is like police cops being fearful. Of black men and black women, and and co- and also incompetence. Like if you saw if you saw Dante Wright, Dante Wright is not a it's not the it's not like Shaq. This guy this guy couldn't have been. He looked to me couldn't have been no more than one hundred and fifty pounds, if that. I mean, so you're telling me that two grown men can't cuff him. Uh, two grown men. You need three cops. Handling one, one dude who was just trying to run away, and and by the way, you know you have his information. So if he does get away, it's not like he, he's not going to run to Canada here. Like he's like, so it's, it's, it was a level of incompetence that is just beyond scary, and it goes back to to me of the hiring process of what does it take to become a cop. Uh, intelligence is so it's just beyond it's beyond just racism like the race and the racism is the main piece we know the we 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 understand that that uh white supremacy white supremacy has infiltrated the has infiltrated police precincts all over this country that's just that goes without saying Mm -hmm. Uh, right 
just the level of just sheer incompetence uh, is, is scary to say at least. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, it just comes down to, honestly, I this conversation is, is sadly going to happen over and over and over again. It's not going to stop. This is not going to be, I mean, we've had what, police killings and shootings of black people. It, I mean, this has started since the country was founded and let's not talk about, you know, convict leasing and all this stuff that actually, um, a lot of the prison system and everything really started to get big and they really started pushing it shortly after slavery. Once slavery ended, uh, they started to arrest black people for petty crimes. And a lot of these petty crimes were because there was lack of resources. Cause what happened, you released, you know, you know, you release uh, black people from slavery and we we didn't get paid for it on top of that you know i just um you know we're descendants of it but our ancestors they didn't get paid for the the work that they did and then you just told them hey go figure it out and in process but you played but you made sure you know the system made sure they paid slave owners um they made sure they paid them for their loss of their property because that's what we were that's what we were considered and then from there next you know a huge push and, you know, um, a huge push in policing started to increase and a huge push in um, the prison system started to increase. And this is pure facts. You can actually look this up and Google it. It started shortly after slavery, not saying that it didn't exist. The push started to become bigger shortly after because they started arresting black people for petty crimes. And it's called convict leasing. So you guys can go ahead and Google that and look it up, too. And essentially they were arresting. They would the crimes that they were arrest black people for, let's say if somebody was stealing, um, because you know, like I said, they didn't get paid. So once they got paid and you say, hey, go go free, you know what I mean? When black people did start getting paid, it wasn't enough to survive. And a lot of black people just had to figure it out. So during that time and during that era, they would literally arrest black, you know, arrest um people when they seen them, hey, they stole a tomato, they stole some food because they're trying to feed their family because they're starving. You know what I mean? But the but then they were locked them up or they were their basically their punishments or crimes was much bigger than 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 the incident, right? Um so that's kind of where the big push into prisons and you know um policing uh aka you know, the KKK and all that stuff like that. You know, you start talking about Jim Crow and everything like that. All this starts to form short. All this starts to form and become bigger and become a bigger push, you know, after slavery. So when you think about things like this and how the criminal justice system and everything really starts to form, um, once you think about this and then you see what's going on today, this is really the consequences and the results of this happening for, you know, pretty much for, for a long time, decades and decades and centuries. Now, today, we're, we are asking for them to stop doing what they been was doing and the system allowed them to do. It's going to be damn near impossible. Um, so that's the reason why people are saying, um, basically saying, uh, what is, uh, what's that saying? Sorry, Rilo, uh, I messed up my train of thought. I have a lot to say. <laughs> Um, that's what people are saying to uh, defund the police. That's right. what people are saying to defund the police. And essentially, let's just wipe this whole thing. Let's just start the whole system over because we are dealing with centuries, you know, decades and centuries of a system that isn't for us. Now you have situations like this. And if you can go to the next slide, when you have all these unarmed Black people, men and women, who constantly, constantly get gunned down and killed over 
situations over sometimes it's not even for a reason it's a it's a made-up reason oh you know your your tail light was out oh you know well you know what did they say for uh for dante um he had tags in his what did he have something hanging yeah, from so he, it's so he, he mirror? had expired so even before the the, 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 uh, the, the uh incense not the uh the um what you hang in your car for the not your um yeah like you hang in your, your mirror whatever it's called right those are those trees uh that are that um uh, they give your car have the car smelling good um yeah. but even before that he got it was he, he had an expired uh registration tag. tags yeah, registration yeah but, okay which is minor i mean right it, which is either and that's my point all every single time it's always a minor you know it's a situation it's cigarettes next time is this and it's that and because you know, you're resisting arrest. First and foremost, cops are trained for people that uh, resist arrest. That's that's so that's bullshit. Honestly, excuse my language. And on top of that, white people resist arrest all the time. You there's literally tons. There's hundreds upon hundreds of videos, probably thousands of videos on there. White people literally cussing the cops out, jumping out the car, you know, throwing stuff at the cops. Sometimes some of them even have guns. You never see them get murdered. They always are peacefully arrested. They're always, you know, talked down. So this BS that they keep coming up with, like, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Oh, I thought he had a gun. Oh, I was scared. This, that, and that. No, that's BS. You guys, the system has allowed it. And this is why it's going to continue. And look at, this is a picture right here of all the unarmed Black people. This is not even all of them. This is just some of them. And then here's an image of, if you guys follow Sean King, I love him on Instagram. And he's also on Twitter, but I'm an Instagrammer. If you look up his uh, his look up his Twitter handle, he's I mean, Instagram handle and Twitter. He's always talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter and how, you know, the system is pretty much rigged against us. But long story short, he put up this wonderful image of heavily armed white people, white men specifically. They and they always manage to arrest them. They never are shot and they're heavily armed. And we have and on top of that, he has pictures of unarmed black people who magically always get shot by accident because what the cop is scared or they thought they had something in hand. It's BS. It's lies. You guys are doing this on purpose. And I'm tired of making up excuses. At the end of the day, we know what you're doing. We're tired and we're done. And Sean King actually put up a, a nice little quote that I actually want to read real quickly. This is just showing my frustration because at this point, it's it's laughable. It's, I'm not going to say it's, it's not laughable because, I mean, we're the ones that's getting targeted, but it's at the point where I'm just like, I'm we're, I'm over it. Like, I'm done with all excuses. Honestly, when another Black person gets shot and killed, we don't. I don't want to hear the excuse. Just lock them up at this point and throw away the key because this it doesn't make sense. But he wrote this. Uh, Sean King wrote this. Dear America, you've pushed Black people too far. You've done too much wrong. Keep doing too much wrong and keep doing too little to fix the problems and right the wrongs. All while telling us to stay calm and peaceful when you had no intentions on doing right by us. That's not going to work anymore. And that's how I feel. It's just like there's no more excuses. I don't even want to hear, you know, we have to go through the proper process. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. And also, what are we dealing with right now? We're in the middle of uh, watching um, George Floyd's uh, basically murderer. You know, now they're going to do court and trial for him. But there's a whole videotape showing that he killed that man.
on live TV, like on like yeah, it's just it's crazy to me. Yeah, so you had uh also the the second the second situation um that I mentioned earlier in regards to Karan Nazario. Karan Nazario is a second lieutenant in Virginia's National Guard. He was pulled over last December by two Virginia police officers. Uh, he went to a well-lit gas station. They pointed guns at him and basically just told him to step out the car. He was like, and if you watch the videos, the video is about four and a half minutes, about almost five minutes long. He says, what, why am I, why do I need to step out the car? I don't know. Why are you pulling me over? And he, the cops basically, basically pulled him over for nothing. He's got to just pull over for nothing. He refused to get out the car. Uh, you have two cops pointing guns at him. Um, you have one of the cops who was clearly the veteran of the two cops. Yeah, you could tell which one. The, the, the one cop in the back was was but was scared to death, and he's taking his cues from the from seemingly the older veteran cop. So the one cop in the back is basically like, just do what he says, just do what he says. He's he's the rookie. He so he sounds like a rookie. And you had the one cop, the aggressor, who is in front and center. He's basically saying, you are just you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're. You're resisting arrest and you're just like, what did they do? Why are you pulling me over? Why would I why am I going to get out the car when you're pulling me, when you have guns pointed at me and you pull me over for no reason? So, you know, make a long story short, Karan Nazari, then he, he had told him that, hey, I serve, I'm I am a I am a serving member of the military right now. I am an active member of the military. And the guy, the cop, the cop. Gutierrez, I think his name was Gutierrez. His last name says, "I was in. I was a veteran too, and I learned. I I learned. I learned how to obey." And he says, and the guy and Karan Mazzario says, "Listen, I'm frankly, basically says, I'm paraphrasing. I'm I'm scared to get out the car right right now. Yeah, I'm scared to get out the car." And his response, the cop's response was, "Well, you should be." And uh, you know, get out the car, get out the car. And he says, "You're going." And I put this in quotes. You're fixing to ride the lightning sign, which is slang for you're about to, uh, you know, we're going to take you to the electric chair. Mm-hmm. So, or you can, or it could be considered police slang for we're about to tase you. Either one, it can, it can fall into both categories. But the, the original one is you're is taking, is you're going to the electric chair. Um, he pepper sprays uh, Nazario, and he pepper sprays Nazario. Nazario eventually takes his seatbelt off and uh, they pin him to the to the ground. Now, a couple months later, Nazario is is, is and rightfully so is has a federal pending federal lawsuit. Uh, the cop that sprayed him, that lead cop, he's been fired. Um, mm. uh, you heard the governor of uh, Virginia speak out on this. I'll bring this up. Um, because it all it all intertwines. Um, because I hear this, and we heard this, you know, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. You're disrespecting the military. You're not patriotic. This is, you know, this is America. You know, you're not, you know, all this and all this other bullshit. This country, this country, care less about its veterans, especially its black veterans. Uh, let's keep it real about that. Especially mm-hmm. veterans in general. I've seen. 
and I see it all, unfortunately, see it all the time. You have a number, countless, maybe thousands of hundreds of thousands of homeless veterans that we don't give a shit about. Right. This guy clearly identified himself as a veteran, and you, as a as a as a veteran yourself, being a police officer, still choose to treat him like shit. Mm-hmm. And by the way, no charges were filed against. Karan Nazario because there were not there was nothing to charge. He did nothing. The <laughs> usual. So there was nothing. That, like you're wondering, like what, like what? Oh, they must support him for some reason. No. no. And does that even matter? I just feel like um, I was having an argument with somebody else. Like, oh well, if they did this or did that. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the the, the police aren't the judges. They're not supposed to make the final decision. You know, it it just it's crazy to me how much power we try to give them. And we we primarily not we, but we know this lovely society of ours gives more power when it's a black person that they think they're that's in the wrong. But if they're in the wrong or not, it's not their job, the police's job to, you know, to prosecute. Like we I don't understand how this how it's changed to this. And it's very sad because I was reading about this and it literally said um people actually told him that. Your service is not going to save you and save you in this country. It's so sad. And it takes us all, it takes us back, which is so sad, to Malcolm X and how he basically kept telling us uh, African-Americans to denounce, you know, the Vietnam War. And um, basically he was like one of the first figures that just kept saying, like, we need to stop fighting a war in other countries when we have a war at home he always talked about that he always pushed that narrative you know and then um you Mama know Ali pushed the same one exactly Mama Ali didn't go chose not you know lost sacrifices championship for that because it's, it's the truth you have a whole war here at home and on top of that you know mlk at first martin luther king uh junior first he was saying you know he didn't agree with it but then he, he also ended up changing his mind and said it too like actually Never mind. He started to also he he organized the rally against and protested the war too. Eventually, as well, I know in the beginning he was for it, but then he started to realize, like, mm-mm. you know, especially when um, Dr. Martin Luther King, when he woke up, when he became a lot more woke and was just like, uh, uh-uh, we have to we have to change the direction of this fight. And that's shortly, and the next thing you know, they killed him because he became a little bit more woke and ta- started talking about economic equality for all. And I mean, primarily it was for black people. But once he started talking about, you know, getting that check from the government that, that they owe us, that's the next thing you know, they they had to they had to roll up on him and be like, no, 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 no. You know, you can keep talking about surface level level issues like integration because that's very surface level. But once he started talking about, you know, basically reparations and getting that check, they had it. They, they silenced him. And that's why he was killed. And a lot of people don't realize it and don't know don't know that because he changed the movement. He basically he went on national TV and talked about no 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 we're gonna start talking about reparations. He didn't say that exact word, but he basically talked about you know the money and the check that was owed to black people for centuries, uh, you know for centuries of oppression and discrimination and um, yeah and yeah. So I just I want to tie in. I want to bring bring back something you mentioned earlier. Because um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose a question to you in terms of what poor people's what, campaign. That's what called, sorry, poor people's campaign. Go ahead, sorry, really. <laughs> yeah, no. William Barber he does a wonderful job with the guns that the poor people. Well, that was that actually started with uh, back in the '60s with the Operation Breadbasket. I go yeah. by and read that book. 
yes. uh, Operation Breadbasket. It talks about the uh, civil rights movement from 65 to 71. That was that was mm-hmm. the origin of the Poor People's Campaign, which yes. was being run by one uh, Reverend William William Barber. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about what, you know, what, I, I want to pose a question. I'm going to pose a question to you. What can we <laughs> do as uh, citizens? What, like, what, because that, that, that was the first thing that, that came to mind. One of the things that came to my mind is, yeah, we've seen this movie a hundred times over right. and over. It's like the same movie, different day. Uh, same shit, different day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned earlier about this system that basically has been entrenched for 400 years plus. Mm-hmm. You know, but in, in terms of slave patrol, that's where police, the origin of police is slave mm-hmm. patrol. They were police yes. were mm-hmm. designed and designed to, in essence, arrest and harass the black people. That is real. That is something that is in the DNA of this country, of this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's no, shouldn't be no surprise or shock to see what's going on now. This has been going on forever. Right. Uh, now that we have video cameras and social media and things of that technology that's exposing it that much more. Um, right. But you said something in terms of, okay, we mentioned defund the police and the fact that this system, what this system does is, you know, you lock up as many black people as possible mm-hmm. and put them in prison. Prisons generate revenue. We know if a prison, if a prison is built, that's more money. That, right. that, that's more money that's going to be generated. So <laughs> this system is like, so defunding the police, if we were to defund the police, take the money out of these overpriced police budgets and actually put it into the community, maybe without question, uh, Communities within the urban urban areas across the country, black areas, would be in much better shape for j- programs for jobs, better education. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand that this system does not want that is, does not want that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I understand, and again, I understand uh, right now in regards to the political parties, Republicans have lost their damn mind. But let's be honest, and and they have Republicans have completely leaned into the Donald Trump races, just you know, just just not even try to hide it. They've completely leaned into that 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 way of doing things. It that 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 yeah. business of doing things. It, it garnered him seventy four million seventy four million votes and elected the least qualified president we've ever seen. So yeah. uh, I'm not leaning into that. If you if you are that of that thought process where you don't and you don't care about. Black lives or people are African Americans advancing in society, so so it makes sense to lean into that if you are if you are of that mindset. So, but I can't trust you know I don't, I don't trust Democrats either because we, Joe Biden does not is not Joe Biden is not holding the police force. Uh, he's not holding police uh, police uh, officers and police. he's scared of the police unions just like the rest of the politicians are. Yes, mm-hmm. so it, like politicians mm-hmm. serve the police unions. Period. The police unions. Yeah. Have all the power. That's why you see. That's why you only see one state in the whole country that has has gone away from uh, qualified immunity. Qualified mm-hmm. immunity, of course, p- gives police basically gives police uh, immunity immunity to do whatever the fuck they want. Basically, yeah. So, I mean, so to me, of- I, I pose the question: What can what can you do? What can we do 
as citizens uh, to 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 um, somewhat put a dent into this. So unfortunately, until we have power, this probably not too much we really can do. Um, honestly, and and it, it sucks to say that, right? Because um, I do see. I do. I've seen how effective a lot of the protesting has has been. I've seen how effective, you know, you know, the Black Lives Matter campaign, everything. I'm fully for it. I think we should keep going. But we do have to establish some power and, of course, uh, a little bit more, not a little bit more, but money. And um, and I know that's not the exact answer. Right. Because that's that's going to be like, okay, Monique, that's not really that's not clear. It's not a clear plan at all. Uh, So unfortunately, we do have to get in more of a place of power and it has to be outside of just you know, politics, because that, because at the end of the day, even when you get a certain president in in office, they'll keep the peace like Biden. Uh, A lot of Democrats, they'll keep the peace, right? Because they don't want it to be, they don't want racism to boil you out of control like it was under Trump's administration, because that entices basically a war, because that's essentially what it would have turned into, right? Um, So unfortunately, politics I don't think it's going to be 100% the key, but it's going to be one of those main things that we need to get more people in power in politics. And it can't just be the president. I think we all focus on the president too much. We have to start at that at the local level. Uh, you start at local levels and start changing different laws and rules in different states, right? And, and, and major cities, you know, get the right people in power. We have to, and we probably have to fund those people. We need to start being more like, hey, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you know, we're not going to you're not going to be reelected again. So probably needs to be more at that local level than us always looking at the president, because the president it, 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 by, it it's just too far, far reach. And even when they want to do stuff, they can't because they still have to they still don't have all the power. They still have to get approvals from everybody else. Right. So it's going to be part of it's going to be political. But I think the issue is that we fought we we stopped there and it can't stop there. We also need to get more power in, in the police and we need to get more less uncle tom police officers and that's the truth and we need to get more you know um police officers that's for the community and primarily for black and brown communities in terms of just ensuring that we get the same equal treatment so it's going to have to be a shift in powers in general i think the positive thing and the thing that a lot of unfortunately this is the reason why the rise of trump was so was so powerful the population is shifting it is we're starting to go from basically, I think, in the next decade, um, maybe two. And hopefully we get to live that long, you know, with climate change and everything. I still have to talk. We still have to talk about the planet yes. and, you know, <laughs> what we're doing to this earth. You know, mother, you know, mother nature is is fighting back. But hopefully we start making some drastic changes in that department. And we get to continue to, to, you know, to see the changing of the world. But uh, population which is shifting. It's starting to become more minorities than than. Um, more basically black and brown people and also uh, uh, Latinos with people, you know, basically communities, communities of color is starting to grow. And I think in the next, what, 10, 20 years or something like that, uh, it's supposed to be more minorities than, than white, than white people. Right. And and it's not, and I'm not saying it's the, the reason why I'm saying it's a good thing because the, the goal, the hopefully what would happen is that there'll be a shift in power because you know, at the end of the day, when it's more and more people of color and more and more minorities or more mixed people, they can hopefully, you know, move up the chain and move up the ladder in terms of power and actually start changing some rules and laws here and policies that have held us back 
That's the hopeful part. And let's hope that these people don't turn into Uncle Tom's or they get bought out because we know that happens too. Um, so at the end of the day, racism exists. And this is why people, a lot of people don't even understand that definition. They're like, I'm not a racist. It's not about you. It's the system. You, individual, it's not about individuals. Too many of us want to be individuals like, oh, well, I'm this and I'm that. No one cares about who you are individually. Unfortunately, it's a numbers thing. It's a number. Racism is about the collective and who's in power. It's not about you as an individual. So I think a lot of people, they don't understand that definition. And when I'm talking to them, they're like, well, I'm not a racist. I'm not, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> You're not even in power to do anything. No offense. <laughs> like, it sucks to say that, but it's the truth. Some of these white people, they'll, they'll remark and they'll respond. And it's like, we're not talking about you. You're not even a power to making changes, unfortunately. Obviously, we still need you, but it's one of those things is like, eh, that's not what racism is. It's kind of like sexism. At the end of the day, men were the only ones to give, were, men were the only ones that were able to give women the rights to vote. Why? Because men were in power. So, Think about that as racism, white people, primarily white men, you know what I mean? They're the ones in control and they don't want, they're the ones that make up the rule and they control all the, this entire system. So they're the, unfortunately, probably one of the only ones, dumb and white women are the only ones that can really change this, change racism, right? They're the ones in power. So it, it really comes down to that power structure. There is a, um, a breakdown of, um, on, I think it's equity now or no prosperity now, sorry. Prosperity Now actually talks about real life actions that can be done um, to to make changes in this structure overall, not just policing. Um, it breaks down all the things that we can do. I like it because it talks about, you know, money and equity, e equality. Um, and it's important. I think it's Equality Now as well as another organization, equality.org or something like that. But Prosperity Now talks about it in depth. And I like it because it was like real practical situations that we could be doing to help, um, you know, the black community. And then on top of that and Latinos, too, it wasn't just black, but minorities in general. And then it, I liked how it also just talked about how, you know, we have to get, you know, different policies change and laws and different things change, too, to really make the difference. So I know I didn't answer your question because there's really no straight answer. Right. Um, but we got to keep applying pressure. We can't just do surface level activities. In terms of taking down statues, we have to do more. It can't stop there. And we have to really get the people in power to hold hold them accountable, especially on a local level. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, we have to get them out of office. We, we cannot allow them to sit there and continue this system, because I think that's really what's been happening. You know, people, black people get in power and the next thing you know, they turn to Uncle Tom and they forget what they they honestly the reason why they were voted in office. Right. So, but it, it also comes down to money too. Once we have a certain amount of money, we can put who we want in power and we can also take them down too. We could take them out like, hey, you know, we don't really want you in there anymore because you're not holding, you know, you're not doing what you said you would do. I don't know if I answered the question, Rilo. I'm probably never going to be able to answer that question because Bro, it's, no, it's, it's, very, it's a layered, <laughs> I mean, it's a layered question. Oh, layered. Um, mm -hmm. it's, um, I don't think it has a direct answer. I, I, I'll mm -hmm. say this. I think that we um, need a different, we need a, we need a third party, a legitimate mm -hmm. third party. But the question is uh, getting candidates to serve us. And I mean, us as minorities, black, blacks, getting that candidate, getting that particular candidate is almost 
I'm not gonna say impossible, but it's very, very close, close to being near impossible <laughs> because if you're someone, you're, you're an up and coming candidate, mm-hmm. and we and and, and and you know you want to do the right thing, you want to uh, you believe in the things that we're talking about. You don't you you want you want to fight against racism. You want to fight against these policies. You want to destroy this system. What is going to be your incentive to do so if you don't, if, if you're not, if you're not supported? Right. So because you know, it's, hold on, hold on. it's easier to follow status quo mm-hmm. is to go out there and, 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 and just completely destroy what's been going on for the past, for the past, you know, couple hundred years in this country. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I'll, I'm going to put the onus on us, the citizens, African Black Americans, the oppressed, to because we do have power, and it's proven by what transpired in this election. Even with we flipped Georgia, that's power. We almost flipped, right. almost flipped Florida, almost flipped Texas. That is power. Almost flipped North Carolina, and, that, and that's why you know Republicans are running scared right now because they they, right. they see they see what's coming down the pike. That's but true. in order to in order to get the type of candidate that we need to change these policies. And to get some of the stuff done, you gotta support. You have to be. You have to create a, a. You know, we talk about a war chest of, of money, fund, fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Donald Trump. Donald Trump right now, and these Republicans are already out there fund. Ted Cruz, yeah. I know, fundraising for 2024. They yeah, no, out there fundraising for 2024. So, exactly. and we need to choose who we want. Like, I don't think. That's, no, that's what I'm saying. Yo, choose. Okay. No, no. You're saying. I mean, we're speaking. You're saying what I. You said okay. Saying, <laughs> what I'm about to say. Yes, we need to choose the candidates, the specific candidate that's going to yes. serve our needs. But in order to do that, you have to protect and support that candidate uh, with money, mm-hmm. with uh, you know, just and and with money. Because I like listen. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my neck out on the line, even if I believe, even if I believe what is right is right. Right. And I get no support from you or I or you don't, you know, whether it's through voting, whether it's through, again, fundraising, things of that nature. So I, I'll just go out there, be, be a regular politician, make a nice living and keep it moving, <laughs> which, which, which is happening a lot. Even when, even without selling out, you could just make you can make a good living off being a, just a regular politician doing the safe, doing, you know, playing it safe and, and, and go about your business. Mm-hmm. If you want somebody radical. If you want ra- you want someone radical in a positive way that's going to benefit Black Americans in particular, you mm-hmm. have to, you have to put the support behind those particular persons. That's I don't see the candidate right now. We look at look at what's in the House, the Senate. We look at the candidates. They're definitely not any Republicans that that fit mm-hmm. that bill. I mean, who who in the Democrats that fit that bill? I mean, uh, maybe AOC. Mm. You know, Bernie is 150 years old. No, and so it's like they're really there. There's I don't see it right now in in terms of, of of even any quality candidates that fit that that fit that bill that are willing to be that radical. Maybe AOC could be that it could be that candidate. We, I if, think if we were to back her, if we, right. we would say, hey, we will we will and fight we, you. We will fight through. We will we will put we will fight through the fire for you. Do right. what you do. Be radical. Go out there. But we we, we will um, support you no matter what. 
And we probably that mentality right now. That mentality does not exist right now because we, have, and I hate to say this, but this is true. We, as a even within our own ranks of, of African Americans, Black Americans, we don't, we're not connected. Yeah. And that's by design as well. I mean, I agree with you. I think, but I think it's probably, uh, I was, I can't remember what I was reading, but it was just talking about how we just really need to find and elect the person. Like we, it's, and I don't, and I don't mean someone that's already running. I'm talking about, we find somebody off the street and say, Hey, we will fund you to do X, Y, and Z, not off the street. Right. Obviously you want them to have some type of credentials, um, but maybe choosing somebody that never really had the agenda of, of running, you know, for office and choosing them and, and putting them in power and just saying, Hey, you know, I can't remember where I was reading this at, but it was really powerful because it just kept saying like, you find the person, you choose the people, like, this is what we should do as a community. We find the person, we cho- choose them and say, hey, you're only going to get this. I'm so sorry. You're only going to get this and you're only going to get our support and our funding if you do X, Y, and Z. Mm. So that's yeah, just- no, what- cause her, you know, here, Here's the thing too, to your point. Like, I, obviously we had to vet, we had to vet these, these people out, these candidates out per se. So- if you if you fundamentally don't believe in some of the stuff that's <laughs> that we're talking about, like uh, like uh, you know, defunding police and 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 getting rid of uh, qualified immunity, you're not then you just you're just not you're not somebody that you know you're not a candidate. We're not right. we you know automatically you you know we you you could just uh, we could just stop the interview here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we like so we your their beliefs have to be in line to supporting our needs as black Americans, period. Definitely. So that, 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 that's the beginning of it. So if you if you and your heart of hearts don't really believe uh in this in these uh in, in fighting for uh black Americans and and, and you know um even uh reparations things of that nature then no you're not you're not for us you're not what you're not what we're looking for period exactly and let's just let's just let's just get that off the let's just get that situated off the whip. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna try. Like we, we shouldn't have to like. Uh, there should be a there should be a a, a connection. There shouldn't be we, we we have to convince you to love us or convince you to mm-hmm. fight for, to fight for us. Like no, that that should be it has to be a it has to be a perfect it has to be a marriage of the of a, a marriage of the minds a meeting of the minds mm-hmm. from that standpoint. So. Yeah, if I gotta convince you to give to care about black lives, then nah, I'm good. You go yeah. about your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one last thing before we move on about this, um, I hear about the police officers. This is the old classic argument that you hear, this bullshit. Well, it's not all police officers that are, that are doing this. Well, you know what? The ones who are being silent, the ones who are not pulling the trigger, you're just as complicit if you're not calling out the ones who are who are. If you're not calling out the uh, Derek Chauvin's of the world or the Kim Potters of the world. You are just as complicit. And there are a number, and I want to call out, I definitely want to call out the, and I can't, the amount of, the number of African-American officers who don't say shit. How many African-American officers that are active, that are active, <laughs> do you hear speaking out? Now, I'll hear, you know what happens? I'll hear a guy that's been retired for 25 years. Out, but who, how many active African-American black officers were coming out and speaking out against this. Mm. I'll wait. Actually, that's a great point. And 
the fact that, you know, mass shootings, I know that's one of our topics. Sorry, guys, the rush, the, the fact that majority of the mass shootings that's always happening is white. And, um, you know, it's always a white person. Unfortunately, majority of them are. Um, the fact that you're still police officers are still running around here acting like they're scared of black people is ridiculous. It's like, come on, guys. I'm done with that story. There, there, that, that is a real thing. <laughs> you, listen, I was watching both those tapes, both those videos, which are extremely at least. There is a natural, there is a fear of, of, of a black man and it is and black and it's just it's it's unbelievable it's really uh, it's just unbelievable there's a fear there is a insecurity amongst these officers i get a sense that a lot of these officers that are can have become cops were probably losers in high school were probably <laughs> were probably nobody they probably had very didn't have a lot of friends growing up or mm-hmm. just or, or and just you know got got a gun in the badge and all of a sudden they want to feel in a position of power now mm-hmm. they can kind of you know can kind of get some of their revenge back on uh, off some of the self hate that they have for themselves. I really feel like, like, I, like some of the stuff, like your lack, you know, your your lack of ability to to deescalate. Uh, and I and again, I don't think it's a, a lack of ability to deescalate. I think it's a choice. I've seen yes. videos of white kids, uh, okay. of, of white of white people getting deescalated. Um, and they usually are out of control. That's the yeah, thing that uh, uh, right, exactly. And with a gun, I'd be like, so you took my arrest. man. You took my man. Uh, just Kyle Rittenhouse. You took him. I think they took him to McDonald's or something. Uh, yeah, they took him to get something to eat. Yeah, with a yeah. After he shot two protesters. Okay, so you know, I, we, we know. I like we know what this is. We know what time it is from that standpoint. But right. you know, I just want to call out all the black officers. Who don't say shit and just continues and and, and just high blind this this thin blue this blue line this blue shield uh, in regards to the police force. You are a big, you are just as big of a problem as the ones that are actually pulling the trigger. Amen. That's very true. Uh, so shifting to entertainment, uh, of course, last Friday, uh, hip hop lost a one of its legends and icons, DMX. Mm-hmm. He passed away at the age of 50, uh, had a heart attack. Um, now, the cause of that heart attack is still in question. Uh, they, the immediate reports were that it was an overdose. I heard, I read some reports that the family said that that was complete, basically complete bullshit. That, mm-hmm. he, did, he, that he did not overdose. Then you started hearing some conspiracy theories about, then you started hearing some reports that he might have taken the vaccine. So I, you know, I don't, with, with today's news, I, I don't know what to believe in terms of that, but I also know is I, the family said that the family came out and said that it was not uh, an overdose. Um, DMX uh, owned 1998. He released two No More albums in the same year, 1998. He is the only artist where, whose first five albums all went to number one. His first three albums debuted at number one, which is, you know, again, unheard of. You know, we mm-hmm. see the amount of albums sold, 74 million, 74 million albums sold wide, worldwide. And of course, he's a part of the famous class of 98 uh, that all that all these names released their debut albums in 1998. I understand for those of you hip hop heads, well, they came out before 1998. Uh, yes, they were, all these artists were out before 1998. But these 1998 is when they released their debut solo albums. So, mm-hmm. and this this is one get one of the great hip hop classes of all time. 
uh, and really 1998 was a seminal year in terms of hip hop. It really changed the landscape uh, of hip hop. If you looked at all the albums and music that was released in that particular year, um, when you heard about this, were, were you a were you a uh, DMX fan growing up, or did you? What were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, let's be real. Like, honestly, when I seen the amount of people talking about him, I was like, first and foremost, I mean, half of y'all probably. <laughs> I wanted to say happy y'all probably didn't even know who he was, but I was like, you know what, let me be nice uh, because maybe some of these little kids, you know, did their research and started to listen to them, you know, later. But I feel like the all time, you know, the Rough Riders at the end of the day, that that and that anthem, that was that was it. It's like stop, drop. Shut him down. I mean, come on now. That was that was classic. There was no way. You know what I mean? Everyone black <laughs> knew who DFX was and loved him. Um, even with, you know, some of the, you know, some of the other issues he had when he was, you know, back in the day, younger day. But honestly, at the end of the day, isn't that kind of pretty normal for a celebrity? So, you know. But he has been he's been re- recovered. He's he's hasn't done drugs in a long time. So for people to be saying that it's from overdose is kind of I think it's a little disrespectful. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, that 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 is completely disrespectful and completely just, again, it's, it's you know, it's today's media as far as trying to paint this picture, um, because truthfully, you don't have to shit on DMX as far as. Uh, his past because dmx lived his truth dmx was completely open and honest in his music and uh, of course the interviews about his struggle with addiction if you don't know his first interaction and where where it all turned for the worst for him was at the age of 14 when his so-called mentor gave him a blunt (laughs) marijuana that was laced with crack (laughs) so (laughs) at age 14 so he was (coughs) he struggled uh, over the, for the better, better part of his life. Right. But, That's um, but he was uh, a devout Christian. He came out with a gospel album not too long ago. He's somebody, when you read reports, that uh, and you also, I mean, like the people that you, the people that you, that you that I've seen talk about DMX said, you said that he was anointed. Like they say, you're around. You are around DMX. You can you can sense and you can feel an anointing uh, uh, that he was anointed. And you know the thing about it is, I, I like how you know. I, I, and I and I get on. I have I have so much. I have way more respect for a person who's open and honest about who and what they are. Live their truth. Not trying to hide behind. You know, celebrity not trying to put the, pop themselves up like on this you know pedestal like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I have way more respect for that type of person, and I, I can relate to that type of person rather than this holier than now person who who never committed a sin or who shit done stand. I'm very wary. I'm wary of those people. Yeah, uh, those perfect people. So I think that, that you know DMX connected with Bob people because he was. You know, he was relatable from the standpoint of, yeah, I can't rap like DMX, but I've gone through my, I've gone through struggles, life struggles like he did. Or you read up on his story, you know, about basically his father not being around and his mother, his mother, 
parents really, you know, him, him not having the greatest uh, upbringing, uh, and you know, which led to some of his decisions that he made as 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 a adult, as a teenager and and, and early adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely a a just a tremendous yeah. cost. Just to add on to what you were saying, I um I just love the fact that and I think there was people posting about this how emotional he was, but he also was still you know how you know the that you know was hardcore at the same time because I think a lot of us make it seem like you can't be you know I guess tough and and, and you know hardcore or whatever or gangster whatever the heck people want to say they act like you can't be that and also have emotions too. And DMX was probably I would from what I remember was one of the first few rappers that was actually able to do that. that was actually able to speak from his heart and also when there was things that were bothering him or things that you know he may be a bit emotional about, he was able to really display that in his music and talk about it and even in his regular life in his and just in his life as well, just how deep and, and passionate he was. So I think that's what made him so great. He laid everything on the table and he gave everything his all. And at the end of the day, his time here is, is he's he's did what he's supposed to do. It was time for him to move on. And I am a huge supporter of people who live their life and live their truth 150%. And I feel like that man lived his life and his truth 200%. And honestly, 50, I'm surprised it wasn't a little bit younger because I feel like the people that live the most that that go so hard. And I know I was having this conversation with somebody else. Like, would you rather live 40 good years like you live, live or would you rather live till 70? But you have you barely lived. And it was a tough question. You know, it was one of those things I was like, "Mm, that's tough. That's hard because who doesn't want to live to like 70? Uh, How about about I want to live a full life and be 95? I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 (laughs) no, no. no. And I agree with you. But uh, somebody was just talking about like, I can't remember who it was. We were just having like, yeah, like if you had like a real choice, like. Yeah. It, I'm not going to say 40, you could say 50 and you live to, or you live to a hundred, but cause there's so many of us that's going through the motions of life. They're, we're not living. So you can live, live the full, I, I would take the full life. I would take the full yeah. life. Yes, yeah. So you can live 70, 80, 90 years, but there's so many people that's living 70, 80, 90 years, but they're not living. They're barely existing. They they hate their job. They hate their life. They hate everything. They're in pain 24 seven because they're not happy. Um, So with that being said, it was just one of those things I was thinking about. I was like, I don't, that's a tough question. It was just a question. I was just like, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a legit question. That is a fair, uh, that's an interesting question. It just makes you it's think. Hard, it's not argument, but just a, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, just, uh, it uh, makes you think, but yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like some, some of these celebrities that die young, it's one of those things, not just celebrities, but people that live a really good full life and they live, you know, you can't be upset when it's time for them to move on. Cause you, you can definitely say they lived. They did what they were supposed to do and their message and whatever they were supposed to give to us, to this world that he gave it. And it's time for him to move on to the next chapter, whatever that is. Right. Um, Obviously, it's not easy saying that, especially with somebody you love and you personally know it's always difficult. But we know that's one thing we're guaranteed to do is die. So while you're here, I think that's the lesson is is just is to live, guys. We don't know how long we have. You got to live. And I appreciate DMX gave us everything. He left it all on the table. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, no, he he absolutely did. I mean, he lived a like he got the most out of his fifty years. Uh, we mentioned earlier 
at the top of the podcast about uh, you know, we're talking about Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's another one. He only mm-hmm. lived to, you know, he died at 41. He got he lived a full 41 years. Right. So he's, you know, you know, we feel like it's gone too soon, but he lived, you know, look at everything yeah. that he commission did in those 41 years. He there are people who will live could live to be 200 and not accomplish and and, and do what he did um and leave the kind of legacy uh that, that he's left so yeah now to your point I, I completely agree with that uh dmx is is too he's in terms of that vulnerability mixed with the uh that you know kind of like uh street hardcore persona it's kind of like he, he had a he's kind of he was kind of like tupac like in that sense i think mm-hmm. tupac had that and uh, mm-hmm. That's what made Tupac such a great actor as well. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability, um, that vulnerability as well. I think so. I think DMX and Tupac are similar in terms of that. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's certainly don't want to see anybody. They want to see anybody pass away at the age of fifty. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, to your point, he absolutely lived a full life, and his legacy will you know live on. Forever. I mean, people be talking about DMX 20, 20 or 30 years from now. He does. And for his fans, he does have a his last album is coming out, uh, I think, before the end of this year. Before oh, the end of summer. So he has one final album that they, that was completed. So I'm sure that that will that probably, I, 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 for certain, I'm sure that will be another number one. Because right, his right. streams have been have gone through the roof. Uh, his streams are up like nine hundred and twenty eight percent, something like that since. Yes, since Friday. So, yeah. So rest uh, in power, my brother. Rest in power. Without question, uh, rest in power to one uh, Earl Simmons. Shifting over to the sports world. Um, so, I was watching a game on Saturday night. Uh, Lakers were playing. Brooklyn, a depleted Lakers, no Anthony Davis, no LeBron James, no Kyle Kuzman. So figure, yeah, it's just going to be, you know, I might watch half of this game because it's going to be, you know, just an ass whooping. Turns out it wasn't. Lakers, you know, destroyed Brooklyn. Um, and one of the reasons why they destroyed Brooklyn is one, Kyrie Irving was ejected from the game. Now, we've seen players, I've seen players get ejected. It happens all the time go back and forth with the official or something happens with a uh, with another player and they, you know, double technical, stuff like that. So, but this one was peculiar because he gets into a, they, he gets tangled up with Dennis Stroder, who is a the Los, point guard for Los Angeles Lakers. At the time, Stroder had like 19 points. It was really, you know, in, in many ways, getting the best of, of, of Irving, who also was playing well, but Stroder was, you know, was, was, uh, was, was getting his, was definitely getting his. Um, so they started going back and forth at the end of the play. The referee official gives the classic double technical foul because that's the you know it's that's that's the easy thing to do give a double technical and then you hope or they have figured that the cop players will calm down because if they get a non technical they're out the game. So but Kyrie kept talking for whatever reason and he pre- he, he approached Dennis Stroder, got in his face, and then as he's walking away. He still he keeps talking until the official just says, you know what, bye. Basically gives him the second technical. Stroder waves at him, which is a form of a taunt, and he gets tossed out. So at the time, like, like you know, thinking to myself, like, okay, you know, see this, this, this is not a, a regular occurrence, even though this is this is this is unkyrie like from a standpoint of him 
snapping like this and losing control. Turns out that, and I saw the video, I saw a video with audio to confirm it. Somebody did a great job at editing, not editing, but uh, with the sound, because it was clear as day where Stroder, after after the play was over, Kyrie approached Stroder, went up to his face. Stroder was like, said like GD, said GD nigga. And then Kyrie lost his shit and said, you know, don't call me that. I'm not your nigga. No, watch your motherfucking mouth, blah, blah, so on and so on and so on. So after the game, Kyrie put on Twitter, you know, basically his disdain for the word nigga, um, you know, gives you his, his history, gives us basically a mini history lesson on the word and where it came from. And, you know, that word, the word should be tossed out and never used again, especially by, especially in regards to African-Americans using it amongst themselves. Uh, what what are your thoughts? Not so much on this particular situation, but on the word. Uh, is Kyrie right? Should the word should this word be not used by anyone? Not not used by anyone. Just completely tossed out of uh, you know, just destroyed, so to speak. Hmm. So I'm in between. Um, I think, and that comes because, like. We know where the word started from um, and where it came from and how it spun into, you know, more so, I guess, hip hop culture and everything like that. Um, I'm in a place of like, it definitely does need to be tossed out. Um, But I know when it comes from certain like situations or certain people, and that's just unfortunate to say that it's kind of like using the word. I mean, it's not like it at all. There's nothing that's like that word, period. I'm going to say that because um, the power and stuff like that, that was behind that word and the, 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 you know, racism and everything that was behind that word that was when it was created. But I guess for like a female saying the B word or a ho and different things like that, um, I kind of sometimes, not all the times, like I said, it's, it's the, the, the N word is way stronger. I analyze it like that. There are some way, there are some people and and that depends on your relationship with, with, um, with you. You can use the B word or you can use the H word and even the N word and the meaning is completely different, right? And that goes with that type of relationship you have with that individual. While other people will use that same word and it'll be so much more, you know, hate and, and slander and racism. And there's so much stuff behind, behind the word, right? So I'm in agreement with destroying the word and getting rid of the word. It's just very difficult with what we change the word into and how certain people use it amongst each other and, and certain groups, right? Um, so I'm in agreement of definitely tossing out the word. I don't think it's really needed, um, but how and 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 you know, I guess when it comes to regards to like when you're hanging out with your friends and people that you're comfortable with and you use that word, you know, it, it just makes it difficult. Right. But if if it was one of those things like, hey, let's just toss the word out completely. I'm OK with it. I don't really care. It's not that deep. There's other words that, you know, you can obviously use. But I understand his anger, especially when it's not someone that you're you know comfortable with and, and in certain situations and then all of the you know, all the racial tension that we're experiencing right now, it is very inappropriate, uh, especially when you don't have that relationship, you're competing, he's competing. So I see his anger and it's so much racial tension, um, especially in this country. And of course, across the world we're seeing 
that it's one of those things that if if we all can do a general consensus, if we can all say, hey, let's throw the word out, let's throw the word out. I'm not against it. I'm not opposed to it. Right. So because I know how my brain, how mentally I'm doing with all of the things that's going on around us, especially to black and brown people, it's so nerve wracking. I'm mentally, and I, I'm happy you said that in the beginning of the episode, like, you know, you know, black people, black and brown people, you know, I hope you're taking care of your mental state because it's exhausting. It's tiresome and it's very scary um, to be in this country. It's been that way, honestly, but now we get to feel it. It's right there on the, it's right in front of our faces 24 seven. Right. So yeah, let's toss the word out. I'm not even going to, it's not even that big of a deal for me, but, um, as a society, how we're going to do that, especially with the hip hop culture has turned into, that's like another, that's another. Yeah. I mean, no, it's not going to happen. Um, like it's not going to get tossed out. Um, I, I guess for me, if someone doesn't want to use it, that's their business. Uh, I, I use it, um, again, around people that, you know, to your point that I had that, had that type of relationship with. Um, I think that, it, it, you know, what's happened with the words, it's kind of ironic. It was happening with the word. It's kind of like a form of, uh, it's kind of like ham hocks. Like back in the day, you know, we, you know, when there was not, you know, you know, slave, during slavery times, they would use, uh, they had have foods like ham hocks to, uh, that would feed us and stuff is, of course, we know that that's not, it's not nutritious, but it was necessary from the standpoint of it was about survival, uh, but it wasn't necessarily good for you. Um, with this word, it's kind of like, you know, with the word, with that word, yeah, we know the original meaning of it mm-hmm. and what, the way it started, but, you know, black people have kind of flipped it and made it a term of endearment and, and uh, made it, made it, made it, made it a part of pop culture and hip hop culture. And, uh, you know, I, I I guess I I guess I would just be completely hypocritical if I just said you know what toss it aside when I use it. <laughs> so it does it does it, and by the way, if it was if it's something like I have no problem with someone like with a Kyrie per se, not one to be called that. If you if you have a problem with call it, with being called that, then that's that is your personal right, your personal mm-hmm. business. I will respect your boundaries and I won't, won't, you know, wouldn't call you that. Uh, a lot of people are coming at Kyrie because, of course, Twitter is the land of old tweets. They have <laughs> two videos of Kyrie using the word within the last three years. I would say people evolve. So, yeah, know, it changes mind. So that, like, yeah. let's, let's stop. Yeah. And the videos are at least two years old, two to three years old. Yeah. And with everything going on, he has the right to be like, you know what, guys, I don't want to use this word anymore. So, and yeah, I agree. Like, with- yeah, Richard Pryor, has a, you know, Richard Pryor did, did that. He went to Africa, said and, and hurt and said and changed his whole mindset in terms of I'm not saying. Came back from Africa, and said I'm never going to use that word ever yeah. again. So yeah, you can change, people- you can evolve and change your mind. So. Right. And people have that right, especially if people are doing more educating themselves now more than ever, especially with everything going on. Um, I think that's awesome. That's great. Um, and and if we I'm, honestly, I'm not going to say I don't use the word. I definitely do use the word. But if 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 they say, hey, if we're like, hey, let, 
let's not use the word anymore. I, I'm okay with being like, all right, cool, great. That's fine. Like, it's not like, it, it's not, so it's not that important that I have to like, oh, I have to use it. But I do appreciate the fact that we, our community was able to take the power out of the word or the negativity out of the word to some degree, because obviously we still don't want white people using it. So it still has that power. So that's the reason why I'm okay with tossing the word out completely because it's, it's also one of those things that we've gotten over it. And there's also different ways to say it. You can't be like, you can't say G-G-E-R, you know what I mean? It's, it's more of an N-G-G-A, right? <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's a different, different. It is different. <laughs> it is. No, it's it a is. huge difference. So I appreciate how we've, our community have created that distinction and, and taken that power away from the word. But to some degree, I, it's still so powerful that we do get angry and we don't want other communities using it on us. If not, we're ready to to beat them up. So I'm okay with just tossing it out completely. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's still it's amazing. It, I think uh, it's still it's it's it's, um, it's it's amazing to me that even hundreds of years later, whenever it was whenever it, whenever it was invented or said, is still the most polarizing word in. The English language, it still is. There's not a more polarizing word than that word, and the, the kind of conversations that come up. I and I also I, one thing I, I'll, and I'll wrap this up. I, I I also I don't like hearing when white people try to become experts on it and try to tell mm-hmm. how like, <laughs> how to use it or they're comfortable being comfortable with it. Like I, it's 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 you know it's not for you be honest with you it's not like you just don't use it and that's, that's all. Don't, don't need your advice on right you know the kind how to use it and when to use it not to use it or no i, I don't need you doing a study on it just thank you you, know, you just don't use it thank like, you <laughs> i agree with you on that real low because i feel like at the anyway at the end of the day you have they have every you have everything else let us use this the way we want to use it thank you Bye. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it <laughs> um so and uh so we have uh again we talked about the fact that this is going to be a heavy uh podcast and there's no more heavier topic right now in our country mm-hmm. despite and that takes a lot than uh what's going on in regards to these mass shootings. Um you see the numbers on the screen, 48 mass shootings since March 16th, that of course with the Atlanta, that since that tragic Atlanta spy, spy mass shooting that, would, that killed a number of, of, of Asian of, uh, of Asian customers. I, I believe the number was six, killed at least six, uh, uh, six, not more. That happened on March 16th, and there have been 48 shootings since that throughout the call, throughout all over the country. Um, and it is, you know, brought you know it's kind of brought back into to the forefront because you know you really think about it. The one thing coronavirus did accomplish, uh, <laughs> and being in quarantine did accomplish, is you didn't hear anything about mass shootings. Right. Of course, when Corona was at its peak, and when we were quarantined and dealing with this and, and with the election and all that stuff, it, it, mass shootings kind of got quiet per se for America at least. And then now, then all of a sudden, come spring or come, you know, March, early March, early March, mid March, it gets, you know, gets back to what it has been um, over the course of the better part of the last twenty years. Really, I think since Columbine in uh, Colorado, 
back in 99. Um, so, you know, we get into these same political debates, you know, the NRA versus gun owners versus people who, you know, don't believe that, you know, guns should be, don't believe that, 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 some, that, that want the gun laws change and, 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 um, and adjust it and, and, and what have you. Um, I, I'll say this, it, the, I, here's, here's what I'll say. Government, you can blame government for a lot of, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But this, I frankly don't think that this is on the government. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. People love their guns. It's just that simple in this country. This country is the most violent country in the world. We, in terms of the movies we watch, in terms of just what we consume, with in terms of violence, violence on television, violent. We are a violent society that, again, that loves our guns. Think about the Second Amendment. Think about the origin of the Second Amendment, and think about where that's at. Where is it? Where is it at right now? So we've gone from Second Amendment, which was a right to bear arms. So that means I have a right to protect my house if you as an intruder come in my house and try to harm me or my family. I have a right to protect my house. It sounds very simple and it sounds logical. We've gone from that to open carry. So it's not even so so <laughs> so it's not even about protecting my house. I'm taking automatic rifle, whatever, with me and just walking in the street or going going to a grocery store or something like that in, in, in various open carry states. That is, that's not politicians. That is, that is the people. That is you, America. That is what our society has become. You are, we have this, just uh, this, it's almost a fetish that we have with guns. It is, uh, again, I, I've never fired a gun. I've held a gun in my hand. I never fired it. Even holding a gun, I didn't see where I just didn't, it didn't do it for me. I don't, I don't, it's like, okay, it's, yeah. I, but there is a, you know, people in this country and there are millions of billions of people in this country that are obsessed with guns. And until that mindset shifts, this is going to continuously happen because the people will not hold politicians, are not, not going to hold politicians accountable for changing these gun laws and, and changing these gun laws to protect people. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on these shootings and, and just, you know, gun laws in general you know, in terms of where you stand? Um, well, I had created, as you'll see, so, so once he goes to the next few slides, so I created essentially a slideshow and it just talks about, so Switzerland is actually, I think it's like at this point now, it's like the third, has the highest gun rate per, per, um, I think per a hundred thousand citizens. Um, and so Switzerland's a great example, but they're, 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 um, they're in terms of having mass shootings is very, very low. Uh, so there's a lot of statistics that you could easily Google and, and just look up Switzerland or this is a great example. They are, um, you know, their first world country, you know, so many things that are like that we have. Yes, their population is smaller. Obviously, America is a much bigger country, um, but they still calculate it per, you know, certain amount of people. But at the end of the day, 
they they haven't had mass shooting in 18 years. And when they did have a mass shooting, they just start to enforce a little bit more strict strict rules where pretty much a lot of people in Switzerland have a gun. Uh, so it's just always interesting when you see um, countries and it's not just Switzerland, you have Australia, you have so many other countries that you guys can look up, you know, the United Kingdom. I mean, they're pretty, they do have a pretty high um uh, mass shooting, uh, um, percentage, uh, you know, well, they also have a, a high number too, but their number is, um, high and has been going down because they've actually started to put, you know, making a little bit more rules in terms of who can get access to, to firearms and stuff like that. So you're looking at all these other countries that, you know, that resemble America in terms of, in terms of how developed they are, and they just don't have these same issues. So it, it just, to me, it doesn't make sense, but it does come down to, from my research of all these other countries, um, like I said, Australia, United Kingdom, Israel, let's Israel, Japan, um, and I'm bringing up these countries because they have a high Canada. Canada's right next to us. You know, a lot of people have guns um, in these countries, but at the end of the day, and the access to the guns is not as easily accessible. Not saying that. Um, that's going to prevent people from lashing out and, and, and go on mass shooting sprees. But I do think if you put a little bit more, you know, just a little bit more rules in place on who can get it, like, you know, having, you know, just certain things that they have to do, checking their mental state is probably number one. The fact that that's not really a thing is a little weird, especially with the mass shootings increasing. Um, and, also, it talks about, um, I think Australia had a situation where they, when they started to have increase of mass shootings and it started to go down because what they did, it's called, sorry, I'm looking up real quickly. They, they did some type of enforcement where gun control, I mean, they did some type of enforcement where it actually went down after they put a gun, gun law controls in place. It actually decreased from 1988, it decreased uh, dramatically over 10 to 20 years. So there are things that can be put in place. No one's saying not to have a gun. I'm not against having a gun. I, I feel like if that's what you want, you should have that right. But we need to put some, just put some rules in place. Why is this so difficult? Like make people take a class, make people get a back, do a background check, um, check their mental state, just do certain things because the, the, the thing, the issue with what's happening is that it's never a problem until it affects you, right? Until they're in your community, shooting up your community, or they they hurt you, or they or the, somebody that you know. The next thing you know, you want to enforce gun rules and stuff like that. I think just at the end of the day, with any weapon, it should be some sort of process, a vetting process, and rules like, hey, you know, if you get a gun, this is what you have to do. And like I said, you see Switzerland right here. They have tons of people. Uh, almost a good half of their country owns a gun. And but you don't see them running around here shooting up everybody left and right because they have real rules. There's strict rules in place. You know, as an owner, you have to be responsible, period. Um, yeah, they, it's, they, do uh, training. they do real training yeah. for guns. And they're sorry about that. Real, they they okay. do real training. And actually, teenagers, teenage boys, actually, they have like shooting competitions from the age 13 to 17. Um, and you can Google this Switzerland, they have a shooting competition for people, teenage boys in their country. It's a, it's a big thing. It's a big, it's a big deal in their country. They do it every year. 
But at the end of the day, you still see those people running around here shooting up everybody. And that's a that's a culture. That's a tradition in their culture for for young boys, teenage boys to join shooting competitions as nation is there is in their country. Nation, you know, they're nationwide in their country or whatever. So, yeah, that's all. No, I mean, yeah, you make some very valid points. And, you know, I look at, I'm looking at this slide right now where, you know, the NRA, which, you know, which is kind of like the police union, uh, they are just at the, politicians are just at the feet of police unions and also the NRA. NRA is one of the most powerful organizations in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, politicians are scared to death of, of the NRA. They have been for years and, and seemingly continuously will be, are. But um, I, I think, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's way too easy to get a gun. Um, and, yeah, you can put in strict regulations, mental health. I, I, I mean, the big to me, the way to attack this, because I, I don't, the way to attack this, obviously, with stricter, stricter regulations on terms of how to get a gun, what we have to, and we don't, we haven't done a great, we haven't done, We've done a poor job at addressing this, and this is what I'm talking about with defund the police as far as putting more resources towards not only education but also mental health. Mm-hmm. These cases, a lot of these cases, that's true. These, you know, the, the people who are doing these shootings are just are not all are just are not all the way there, are not all there, uh, to say the least. And again, it's it's like I don't expect people will never citizens of this country are never going to give up their guns. This is not going to happen. They, you know, like politicians to a lesser to like politicians, they value their guns more than they do even human lives. So that, I, I just don't see that happening to a point to where people will endorse stricter gun laws or enough people endorse stricter gun laws to put pressure on politicians to enforce that. I, I just don't this is not like to me. I the way this country. I I mean, that was one of the biggest arguments with these, uh, you know, with these Trump idiots. Uh, you know, talking about Joe Biden. He's going to take away our guns, and like, no, you idiot. He, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden is just like the rest of the politicians. Politicians from that standpoint, not going to take away your guns. He he's not going to be that radical uh, when it comes to that, or police, or or going up against police. His police unions. He's just not. He's still a politician at the end of the day. Even though he's not, he may not be. He's not a. You know, not Donald Trump or, or somebody or a lot of you Republicans that were there mm-hmm. lost your minds. But he's still a politician at the end of the day. Uh, so no, your guns are not going anywhere, which is which is a problem. Yeah. Um, so because. So, so, Again, this, this this comes from this goes. This is this has been a part of our DNA as a country, as a society. This this obsession uh, with guns, and again, with this obsession uh, with guns. But and- Switzerland, they have a bigger obsession than us, um, and they have the the third highest ratio of a civilian firearms per hundred residents. But at the end of the day they still have just some type of rules and they they're bigger than us because they actually have competition for their teenage boys. I thought that was actually very interesting. The teenage boys, they're telling them, you got to use a gun. You got to learn how to use a gun. They, they push it. No, my uh, point, I think, no, clear. I mean, I agree with you clearly there, if there were more, there were more things put in place 
tougher to get a gun or even more it being more organization in terms of the rules, things of that nature, mm -hmm. uh, we wouldn't be seen as main murders or some accountability from that standpoint when, when this does happen. Right. Um, but the problem is, again, the problem is, and this is part of America, America is too free from mm -hmm. that standpoint. Like we are too, we have freedom. We are, it's too free <laughs> to be reined in and, you know, we there are some there are some things that we can learn from other countries when it comes down to crime and things of that nature. But um, it's America. America is used to this this just being able to do whatever the hell they want. Americans used to be able to do whatever the hell they want. So these type of rules would be like you know telling a child you know you can't watch television after. You know, after, you have to turn off the television and you know tell them turn off the television at, at eight o'clock when they've been watching television until midnight. Right, um, that's true. So it's not that, that I don't I don't doubt for a second that added rules and things and you know mental health checks and mental and, and, and background stronger stringent background checks would make a difference, but society citizens. Are not going as a there are too many people there's too much of a segment of this population that is not going to allow that similar again you compare this is similar to rep, reparations right that's true we know we should get reparations but there's still a similar a, 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 a nice segment of this a, a big piece of a big part of this society segments of this country that doesn't even acknowledge acknowledge it at all so that is the problem is you know it, as much as you know, again, I, I put for this one, I put the emphasis more on as much as the people, uh, NRA citizens, as I even as I do, even the government. Right. Uh, you put pressure on government. We were talking earlier about our ideal candidate. If one of the, if one of if one of the things in our in terms of our ideal candidate was, look, we need stricter gun laws, then that that will come about. Like, mm -hmm. hey. You can, you can. What is your theory? What are your thoughts on stricter on gun laws and what have you? Oh, you, oh, you, you don't think there should be stricter gun laws? Oh, bam, you're not for us. Mm -hmm. There's not that account. We don't. There's not that accountability that people are putting on politicians to enforce That's gun laws. That's true. At all. So it's not, you know, and you, and even with even with Joe Biden, he signed some, you know, he signed these frivolous orders that are not going to move. They're not going to move the needle. <laughs> like they, they, they look good on in theory, but they're not right. like and it, you know, it's not gonna make a dramatic impact on uh, on on these mass shootings. Right, that's true. And it hasn't that many shootings we've had since <laughs> that's so many. I didn't even know it's that many. It's so horrible. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah, no, there it, it's been it's basically been crazy like, like three a week. I mean it's on on average, it's been like at least more than that, certain certain weeks. Like, that's horrible so we're talking about i mean march 16th is barely not even barely a month ago a month ago right so we're talking 48 to buy about like four weeks that's, that's 12 a week Jeez. <laughs> yeah that's 12 and a week that's clearly his increase since he's been in office my gosh yeah yeah no i mean it, listen it's that's horrible it, it's uh, again we, we've seen this throughout uh, our lifetimes, especially in the past twenty plus years. Uh, again, uh, the one that the, the one that jump off jumps off to me is Columbine in Colorado. Um, 
which of course is the open carry state. Um, and you know, with that tragedy happened at that high school and back in 99, and they've had, you know, they've had just since that, they've had nine school shootings alone. Mm-hmm. Let alone counting the amount of uh, other other mass shootings that they've had in the state of, of Colorado. Mm-hmm. But again, you look at it, it's still an open carry state. So that that is something that that's something clearly that the citizens love that freedom mm-hmm. of being able to carry a weapon uh you know freely in the street you know so again i you know i'll say i said this with i said this earlier in the podcast with policing uh with coming up you know trying to construct a ideal candidate that's going to serve the needs of, of african black and african americans it has the same the powers in the people so you as citizens you have the power to make this change uh it's either what you it's either you do or you don't <laughs> it just comes out it just comes out of that you know what i'm saying it's too many there's too many citizens out there who frankly who don't uh who uh don't in this point in in, in 2021 what's crazy there's a statistic uh there is estimated to be more guns than people in the u.s um it says is about 101 guns per 100 americans <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah. That's so crazy. Sorry, random. No, that <laughs> I mean that I mean just it's like that is that's it's just the um it all it all connects when you think about it. We were talking about prisons, we were talking about money mm-hmm. that uh built that uh generated because of prisons um being built. So there are more guns out there, they're more likely to be more criminal activity um, and a lot of that criminal activity is going to take place um, just throughout the course of, you know, throughout, you know, the course of the country, no matter, and, and this is not, you know, this is, this is a, this has, guns have no cut, but yeah, all races are using guns. White, black yeah. are using guns and, 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 and murdering, uh, murdering people. So, you know, it, they get arrested, go to jail. That's more people in jail. That's you know more money for prisons. You have less violence. Uh, maybe you have to close some prisons down, but that's not what the system. That's not what the system is designed to do. So of course it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. that the n- number of guns would outnumber the uh, amount of people. <laughs> uh, but uh, but again, it, to me it comes it, it really comes down to a shift in, in mindset. More yeah. Like, what what do you value? Do you value the gun, or do you value human life? Right. Um, In America, too. I mean, like you said, it's a it's a bunch of stuff because the our military budget is ridiculous, and I know that's part of the gun situation. Like the the amount of money we put into that, um, it's insane. Like into prisons, uh, we put our money to so much stuff than to things that we could that could actually help benefit it us and grow and grow us um you know just there's just not enough resources going to into the people and our education system and our just so much other stuff but it's going into being pumped into guns and to the prisons and the military it's just it's insane to me and yeah if you ever think of put it this way right getting back to like uh defund the police yeah hey getting back to defund the police back to how we disperse our resources as far as money. If you put more money into mental health, 
education, job programs. Hello, you hear me? You broke up a little. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Internet probably went in now for a couple of seconds. Yeah. But getting back to what we were talking about with defund the police, um, if you put money, more money, right, into if, into job programs, the community, education, mm-hmm. um, mental health, then you don't need uh, hundreds of millions of guns. You don't need uh, you don't need a bunch of cops on the street. Mm-hmm. You don't need some of the things that we are spending money on. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to what, like, it comes down to what are you really trying to accomplish? Like, what what are you trying? What are you? What is? What are your? I hear what you're saying, but what are your actions? What are your? What are your actions dictating? You know, you'll hear politicians, you'll hear people say, you know, say, try to say all the right things and, you know, guns are bad, da, 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 or not guns are bad, or, you know, violence is bad and so on and so on. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not looking at what you're talking about. I'm looking at what, you're, what are your policies? What are these, what are laws that you sign on? What are bills that you sign on? Mm-hmm. Or what are bills that you're not signing on? Sign off? Like Emmett Till mm-hmm. bill, the Emmett Till bill still hasn't been signed by Republicans, by the Senate. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. That's out there. that bill still hasn't been signed. So it's all about your actions when it comes down to it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. If you, again, we wouldn't need wouldn't need a lot. Of, you wouldn't need all these guns on the street if you put uh, information, put resources into other aspects mm-hmm. of life that could, uh, you know, make this make this place make this place uh, more livable and a better place to be. So it's really you know just that simple. Putting more money towards you know uh, healthcare. Like stuff that actually right. actually matters uh, when right. it, in terms of helping in terms of helping the people, uh, you know, guns guns don't for the most part don't help people. It's, it's just that simple. Uh, let me be completely honest with you uh, from that standpoint. Um, on a so on a lighter note, if you want to call this light, <laughs> this is like what we've been talking about. Uh, Kara. Uh, Ke- I hope I pronounce this phrase name right because <laughs> she's had a rough week. Keelan uh, Spadani, Spadani, Keelan Spadani, 33 years old from Harvey, Louisiana, was arrested for withholding $1.2 million. You ask yourself, how did she get $1.2 million? I'll tell you. She had $1.2 million was accidentally deposited into her account. So Ke- Keelan switched. Um, immediately transferred that money into a separate account and went out and splurged for a brand new house and a 2021 Hyundai. And now Keelan has not only been fired from her job, she's been uh, arrested with $50,000 bond and is being sued by Charles Schwab and company that the company that, uh, that uh, deposited the money into her account in the first place. What would you do if someone accidentally, if you woke up, looked at, and by the way, the original amount, the original amount, this is even, this is even, this is hilarious. The original amount of the money that was supposed to be deposited into her account was $86, like $86. <laughs> but they were, they were off by 
off by a few, off by a good million <laughs> in terms of that. Yeah, listen, it's it's this like I laugh, but this story, I mean, it's a rough story because because of the pandemic. I don't know this lady's personal situation. I like a lot of people out here are starving. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are hurting still with collecting job benefits, still out of a job, struggling to make ends meet. Uh, I don't know what her particular situation is, but somebody, if you wake up one morning and you go check the old account balance and you see $1.2 million, it'd be hard to give it back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know the right thing to do is to give it back. And obviously I'm not, you know, gonna sacrifice my livelihood and my career and reputation. And they're gonna the government's gonna get his money. We we know that. But man, it, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, it would be hard, hard to give that money back. It really would be. What what are your thoughts? I mean, it listen, I think it's honestly, I think it's funny and um I just think it's one of those things that, like, give the sister a break. I mean, definitely what she did was wrong. I'm not going to, if it came into my account, I'd be like, hold up. I already know this money's probably going to be taken back. So I would just probably wait because I already know it's like, I know they're coming to get their money. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way that 1.2 million is going to be gone for too long, right? Someone's going to notice it's missing. So I probably would never went crazy because I'm like, dang, they want to take this. You know what I mean? I know they're going to come look for the money. It wasn't like we're talking about, you know, $2,000, even that. Yeah, see, that that's where she messed up, man. She got greedy. Like, she shipped like, all the money amount. to a different account. Like, she should have been, yeah. she should have been like, uh, like five grand. Like five Gs. Ten, yeah, a couple, <laughs> couple Gs, something five, ten Gs. She shipped it. Not only did she... So she not only she shipped all the money into a separate account, she went and goes out and buys. I, I hate to use this word, but this is this is a nigga move. It is. And buys a house in a car. Oh, Same day. <laughs> it, it was just like, ma'am, you know they're coming for that. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's just too much. It's too much money for for you to or for them not to notice is going. Oh, so man. I kind of felt like, come on, sis. You know what I mean? Like, all right, at least return some of the money or majority. You know what I mean? Just take out like five rand and be like, all right, I'll pay y'all back later. You know, sorry. I thought it was my money because I can see how five rand, especially if you have, if she, I don't, she probably didn't, but especially if you already have like, you know, 10, 20 grand in your account and extra five is on top. You're looking like, oh, where does money come from? All right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, so, but yeah, no, no, no. The 1.2 million, that's just too much. That's just one of those things that, you know, they coming for their money. I don't care what anybody says. They looking, they're going to come for that money, period. So for me, it would have been different, but I get what you're saying. Like, I just feel like they, you know, they went a little hard on her and suing her and all that extra stuff, you know. Well, no, let me tell you also, all right. So the reason yeah. why they, they, well, they sued her for a number, a couple of reasons why they sued her. Mm. Sued her not only because she, she, uh, they got her for, you know, bank fraud, got her for uh, theft, um, you, and you're talking about they, they number of times, try to contact her through phone, telephone, uh-huh. email, and she was refusing to take the call. Ignore. No, yeah, she's conveniently ignoring them. She should have uh, took that money and went to a different country, okay? Yeah, for real. You're going to do <laughs> Oh, wow. If you want to do, I mean, if you're going to go hard about it, yeah, go to a country yeah. where America can't get you. Uh, Bye. Uh, plastic. So, but, um, 
yeah, exactly. You go, go, yeah, go, go hard, go big, go, yeah, go big, or don't go, don't go at all. But she did, according to her, that was big though. She bought a house and a car. They coming for that house, leave the country, transfer that money out to a swift bank account. (laughs) Accounts that you know American can't touch. That's where all these billionaires or millionaires that you know the Swiss banks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All, yeah the Cayman yeah. Islands, whatever Cayman it is. Islands, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go hard uh, like that I, and yeah, disappear. She, she clearly disappear. Not, was not thinking on that that level. Um, Listen, so she one point three million. They coming for that money, girl. Oh yeah, they're coming for that money. And the bottom line is, <laughs> you buying a house and a car, your name is going to be attached to that. So that mm-hmm. that's easily. That was, it's like. You know, you you watch these old. Um, I don't know how 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 big of a fan you are. These old mafia movies where mm-hmm. you know where they uh, something that happened where uh, a heist and guys are robbed. You know, rob a bank or whatever and get get all this right. money. And, and then the main boss will be like, "Yo, lay low, don't buy nothing like right that until this blows <laughs> over." And then of course you have one or two dummies that go out and buy a brand new car or some oh, shit that draws attention. And then that's how you, you know. He ends up getting killed. Oh, right. stupid. So yeah, they 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 were going to trace this money. Uh, they they were coming for this money regardless. But especially, you put a target on your back by buying a house and a car. It's not, it's not like two. It's not like you went to the movies or went to the beach. You buy a house and a car. So yeah, that, like, that was. Yeah, how pretty. fast did sis move? She was not. Moved, by listen, by that she. Was, yo, she was not. That that that's the one thing she did that was right. Terms of how that was the one thing she did that was uh, efficient. How quickly that money turned into a house and a car, and how quickly she moved. Not only that, the buyer, first of all, the, the the fact that she moved the money from her main account to a separate account. Okay, like, just just like that. So that was with the quickness. Yeah, and, and two then and two to go by uh, to immediately buy the house and 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 uh, to immediately buy the uh, house and car. Um, and uh, I just wonder from this standpoint, I just thought about this like, I we've we've all done transfers, we tra- all transferred money within our accounts and what have you in our various accounts. Or if you have personal, if you have stocks and things of that nature, there, there's not a limit on how much you can transfer to a separate. Yeah. I just wonder, like, I, I wonder how that works. I've never had 1.2 million dollars to transfer. First, is there a transfer limit? I need my bankers out here too. So, no, because I'm because you know with real estate, I I see large amounts of money. Yes, you know? yes. I've even seen millions of dollars in people bank accounts, but transfer the money is never easy. That's what I'm like. I'm trying to Google how how long does she have this money? How how I'm I'm still confused. I'm like she must have had that money for like a month because I'm just confused how she can move the money. I mean, just to move ten grand takes time. So anything over that, it takes time. So I'm just kind I'm confused. She must have had this money in her account for like a month or two. Like, this is weird. So no wonder she went crazy to buy a house because the housing process, I mean, yes. If you have cash, it goes much faster. Um, You can get it done in a week or two. But for her to have that much time to transfer $1.2 million on top of also transferring that money to the title company uh, as well, that just, I'm just like, how much time does she really have? Because to me, it sounds like it personally, it sounds like she had like a month. That money was in her account for a month. That's probably why she went crazy. Like, oh, they're not coming after this money. Because I'm just like, eh, like, eh. So 
I'm looking. I'm looking up the story now. Yeah. Uh, this happened back in. Um, Cause this happened you know, in February. This happened in February. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, this happened in February, but they don't like. They don't say. Um, they didn't they say. The they don't give you a timeline. Yeah, that's the issue. Cause she probably maybe she waited. She was like, "Well, this money's still here," and then she was like, "Well, I guess no one's coming for it." Cause I'm like to buy a house that just takes time. Even if it's all cash, it's still like a week or two. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Yeah, that's my. I think I would lean towards because it take that. Yeah, you're a realtor, so you know yeah. that process in terms of paperwork and stuff like that. Yeah. Even now, let me ask you: this. even if you have the funds, like she clearly had had the money. Even if you have the money, but just that whole you got to transfer. It's just a process of just like like signing yeah. the paperwork and. Exactly. It's the title. So the title company. So because she's not using a mortgage, like I said, I've, I've worked, I've had million dollar clients. So it's not like I'm not just talking about this from hypothetical. I've had clients that have millions of dollars in their bank account and um, and and more than that, actually more than a million. So um, so I've sold million dollar homes, whatever. So with that being said, I see the money. And usually those people that have that much money or they're buying a purchase that large, they usually have multiple bank accounts or they have money spread out. They usually don't have, you know, the money just all in one place. They have it spread out. But even then, let's just say it's all sitting in one bank account just for just for the sake of this conversation. Even if it's sitting in that bank account, it's still going to take it takes a couple of days or so, maybe like a week to transfer the money, depending on what account it is. And let's just say, let's say the money can, it's instant for however way that's going to be. I don't, it's usually not that instant, even when you wire the money. Um, well, I guess you can wire the money. It could go pretty fast, but let's just say the title, well, the title company still has to do research. Most clients, I still tell them, you need, you should still get a, a title done, title work done. And that could take a week or two because you want them to make sure the property is owned by the owner that, the person that's selling the property, you want to confirm that they actually own the property. So that can take a couple of days or a week. Um, then keep in mind, title companies only work Monday through Friday. So if they find out like, hey, you know, this title is the right title, um, it, it takes them three or four days. We're not going to close that week. We're going to close the next week because we got to prep the documents and all this other stuff like that. Then outside of the title work, um, outside of that, you still have to confirm maybe they want a survey done of their property to confirm the land, the boundary line. So there's a number of things the title company is doing. It could take a week or two for them to do it. And then in terms of transferring the money, it's just not instant. It usually it takes, like I said, it could take a couple of days, maybe a week. It just depends on where the money's at. But it's never that instant. I just know once you're trying to transfer over 10 grand, um, it's a process. Your bank is like, you know, they have the questions and they it's always stuff. So I'm just shocked. Like she must have had that money in her account for like a good couple of weeks. Yeah, it, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it, as I'm really trying to unpack this, it's getting like that. Like, so she got excited. <laughs> Got no, I'm not. Yeah, I already clear. I already clearly know where she was. I'm just starting. To, I'm just talking about in terms of the inevitable but you, bank. How did that bank make that mistake? And how was it? How did it not? How did they not notice it for a couple of weeks or maybe two or three weeks? I'm like that. That to me is kind of standing out too because one point two million dollars is a lot of money. Even though banks deal with tens and hundreds of million dollars, still it's still one point two. Million dollars, right? It's not ten. It's not five thousand. It's not five hundred twenty dollars. It's one point two million dollars. So I, I'm sure somebody from Charles Schwab probably got fired. I'm, I'm sure somebody might. Some this is like a case where somebody might got fired. 
uh, for this type of, uh, they haven't recovered all the money. They've only recovered, not only, but they've recovered 75% of it up to this point. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it's just, as you, as you were, as you are breaking it down, uh, this is Surreal Gerald Quinn of the Real Deal Podcast. Uh, just wanted to thank, properly thank Monique Malbec for joining the podcast. I understand we got cut off early. I shouldn't even say early. We were like an hour and 58 minutes into the podcast that we, that we got cut off towards the end. I just wanted to let you know, as my audience, you did not miss anything. We covered all our topics. We had we said everything that needed to be said outside of, you know, goodbye and our pleasantries and exchange and uh, exchanging, you know, giving out, you know, our information as far as Instagram and, and what have you. But again, you can find that all on my YouTube page. And also once I post it on uh, Instagram, on Instagram and LinkedIn and those different various social media platforms. Um, hey, take care of yourself. Uh, we talked, we covered a lot of heavy topics, um, a lot going on in the world. Make sure you get that balance. Uh, turn off the television, you know, get into a book, take a walk, go to the gym. You know, sometimes uh, we can consume just too much and it can become definitely overwhelming. Have a great, great rest of your evening. Again, I will get this podcast podcast out by tomorrow. Have a, uh, see you next time.